You are listening to the Food Means Business Podcast, which features the personal stories and secret ingredients behind what it's like to abandon your day job to start a food business. I'm Janaba Johnson-Jones, former marketing executive turned entrepreneur and founder of food business incubator Hudson Kitchen. Join our community of fellow food business owners and subject matter experts to learn and laugh with us as we explore a startup world that's a little more culinary and a lot less corporate these days. All right, Christine, welcome to the Food Means Business Podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. So I'd love for you to just, uh, before we jump into, um, you know, a CFO on Speeddale, your company, give us a little bit of background on you and how you kind of left the corporate world or working world to launch your own business. Yeah, so I um, started out as a, what would probably be called a mompreneur, which is to say that I had a full-time job um, where I was working for a national nonprofit that was focused on the quality of jobs in home care. And I worked with a network of worker-owned home care businesses on business growth and development. Um, But I was based in the Bronx and traveling nationally, and I had two small kids at home. And uh, one day my son, who was just in first grade or kindergarten, I forget which, was throwing up on, on his way to the after school program. And they called me and I'm like, I'm an hour away. Should I come now? And the answer was absolutely yes. Um, so I had quit that job and stayed home for a year. And everybody in my family was like, we don't really want you to go back to work full time. And I was like, I have to do something uh, with my brain. So I started consulting. Um, and that's um, eventually as my children grew and became more independent. I got to actually turn my little consulting projects into uh, a, a business that is now CFO and Speed Dial. That's great. How'd you come up with the name? It was actually through a conversation I had with a client. So I was working with this wonderful woman, um, Beth Linsky, who had been uh, creating jams uh, in the Hudson Valley for many years, 30 years. She was one of the originals selling at the Grow NYC Green Markets, and she wanted to sell her business. And I was helping her position the business for sale, and it actually took a lot longer than we thought. So here we are two or three years later, and I was still working with her. And I said, Beth, why why do you keep paying me? Why why are we still doing this? Um, And she said, well, it's not just about the sale of the company. I know when something goes wrong in my business, I can just call you up and talk to you about it and you'll you know, help me out because you know my business so well. And it's true. I had helped her with all kinds of bookkeeping and accounting and billing and all kinds of issues in her business, not just the sale of the business. Um, and so that was when I came up with this idea. Oh, yeah, I'm the CFO on speed dial because you can just call me. Um, and that's basically how it works. Great. So tell us about CFO on Speed Dial. What do you do? How do you work with entrepreneurs and what types of entrepreneurs do you work with? So we're a virtual CFO company, uh, which means that we provide financial strategy work. Um, So we go beyond the day-to-day bookkeeping. We can do that if you need it. But most of what we like to work on is making sure that the decisions that people are making about how to grow their business, how to maintain their business are based on a solid understanding of real numbers um, and a kind of very strategic plan about where they want to go with their business. So it's, it's yeah, sometimes you have to just make decisions day to day and know like what's going to happen next week or in two weeks. Um, and that's something that a lot of businesses that are caught in the recession have to face when they have, a you know, 
big cash problems, but a much stronger place to be in is to be making decisions about your business with, you know, the foresight of where you want your business to be in two years or five years or 10 years. You know, do you want to sell your company? Do you want to sell in new regions? Do you, you want to get big enough to have national scale distribution? Like what's important to you? Um, and as for types of companies, um, most of our businesses are led by women um, and all of them have some form of social impact. Um, I love working with food companies. Um, I find food businesses really convivial and interesting. Um, plus I like good food. And, um, but we've also worked with um, various kinds of consulting businesses that are working around zero waste or um, uh, green tech. And also with companies that are doing solar installations or other kinds of um, things that would alleviate climate change. So climate, uh, social justice, uh, and food are kind of the things that are most likely to show up in our client base. So do you work with startups and established businesses? Can you talk a little bit about like the types of your target audience who you'd be looking towards? Sure. So for our kind of full service virtual CFO work, uh, the companies we work with are larger. They tend to be a million in revenue or close to it, um, up to 10 million in revenue. I think for most companies, once you get to 10 million, you should have your own CFO. Uh, Part-time CFO might not cut it anymore, although we're really good. Um, and for smaller companies, there's a couple of ways to work with us. Um, uh, one is uh, what we call fast action projects, which are short-term projects where we would work with you for eight to 10 weeks to polish up some projections work if you're going to be approaching investors. Um, to work on, you know, analysis of different business units, which you, in pricing, things like that. Um, they're usually fairly constrained project. They have a really clear deliverable and a really clear outcome, outcome for the business. Um, and the other thing that we offer is a series of courses and or ongoing kind of community consultations so that you don't have to pay for one-on-one -on -one services. You can get access to a CFO through either our courses or our group program. Great. So we've worked together on one of your group programs, um, which I really appreciated because I got you know to know my numbers really well. So you, can you talk a lot about knowing your numbers and what what is what are meaningful numbers? <laughs> meaningful numbers. <laughs> uh, number one, they have to mean something to you. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm not really joking when I say that. The first, they have to be up to date. They should be current. You should know like this week, what happened in your business. Um, they have to be uh, designed and, and uh, recorded in such a way that they make sense to you in your business. So uh, one of my pet peeves is, you know, books that are set up with only the idea of producing a tax report at the end and not like managing the business month to month or week to week. Um, so we work really um, closely with business owners to make sure that the chart of accounts, which is kind of the backbone of your financial reporting, is designed to give you information that you can use. So all the same kinds of expenses occur together instead of randomly in alphabetical order, um, things like that. Um, so the, the, the definition of meaningful numbers are is that they're current, they're up to date, they're um, accurate, um, and they're put together in a way that give you information you need to run your business. So um, 
I can speak from experience that sometimes like, you know, working with the numbers can seem overwhelming at times. And I know that you've come up with um, what you call a one page plan to help um, business owners. So if you could kind of like, let's walk through what it would look like for someone to create a one page plan. Um, And from what I can see, it's like simple and straightforward and something that, you know, someone can use in their business on a day to day basis. So um, what's the first step in in uh, creating this plan? And why create the plan, first of all? Like why create this plan? Um, so, you know, as I talked about, finance strategy is about having a goal that you're shooting for. And so having a one-page plan gives you a connection between your financial reports or your budget and that goal so that you can create a path to get where you want to go um, and that you can, by looking at your numbers, understand where you are on that path. Um, so a one-page plan is a summary view of your ideal month financially. Um, it helps you to establish goals for each product or service that you offer. So you would know, you know what's your sales target, how much, what your pricing should be, what your revenue should be. Um, and then what are the cost side of the business, the expenses that you need to cover as your business grows. Um, and it also takes into account any of the cash needs that don't show up on your profit and loss or on your budget, things like paying down debt, um, paying your taxes, uh, sometimes taking your owner's pay. Um, So there's a lot of cash needs in a business that might not show up in a more traditional um, budget form that we try to put up front in the one-page plan. And hopefully by having this plan, it will give you rules of thumb or benchmarks. So when you're looking at your financial report, you can say, am I where I need to be? What do I need to do to make next month better? Um, And also give you some confidence that like, if you're looking at something and it it looks off, you don't think that it's your mistake. You understand that there's something going on in your business, either something that was missed in the bookkeeping um, or something that you want to change about how you're operating. Um, But, you know, I always say, that uh, confusion is a form of information. If you see something in your numbers and it doesn't seem right, you have to ask questions because that's the only way either you'll learn or you'll figure out that there's something wrong that needs to get addressed. So I have here, like, I guess the foundation is to, to, uh, to declare your top financial goals. So um, if you talk a little bit about what goals could look like, but also how many goals should we be should we put together, or is there is there a limit to what we should be looking at? Yeah, I actually think you should have one primary financial goal that you're focused on um, at any one time. Uh, it could be a year, a one year goal, it could be a five year goal, but it, there should be like a north star that you're really focusing on. Um, because if you focus on too many things, then it's not focus, it's distraction. Um, (laughs) sometimes you need to do two, maybe three, but if you have more than three top goals, then you haven't prioritized what's really important. So you have to stop and think about why that's important and keep asking the why questions about each of those until you identify what really is the leading priority. Um, so, you know, uh, we start with a list of, um, four, five, six, seven uh, possible goals, and they're all valid. 
uh, it's you have to kind of, and I only offer those as like a way to think about what might be your top goal. You might come up with something completely different. Um, but there are things like, you know, you could have your top goal as improving profit. You just want to be more profitable next year. Uh, or it could be increasing your owner's pay. Um, or it could be, you know, building your company valuation as you prepare to sell your business. Like there's, they can be really specific, very, you know, focused goals, or they could be broader goals that are going to take you a couple of years to get to. Um, but it's important to have an anchor in that goal that best reflects your vision. Um, and I also, it's not on the one page plan specifically, but I also really tend to ask people when I work with them, what's the social impact goal that goes along with that? Because that's what's really your motivating factor in building your business, right? So what is is the change you're seeking? What is it you want to do? And how do you know if you're able to be both profitable and of social impact? Because those are the things that you need both of those things to be true to kind of keep going. So what are, what's the first step in creating this plan? So the first step is to gather all the information. Um, as I said, we're going to talk about in the one page plan, we're going to look at revenue and sales. You're going to look at cost of goods. You're going to look at monthly operating expenses. You're going to look at taxes. You're going to look at your profit plan. So the first thing to do is to prepare the information. The answers to the questions are relatively simple and straightforward, but only if you have something to base them on. Right. Um, so for your revenue and your sales forecast, uh, you want to know your list of your products and services and the price of each of them. Um, that should be relatively easy to come up with. Um, one way to do that is to look at your historical data to say, okay, over the last 12 months or over the last quarter, you know, how many did I sell? And then come up with what you think the monthly average is or should be. You might take last year and add something to it. You might take last year and subtract something from it, depending on what is trending in your business. So the next, once you've figured out your revenue goals, you want to talk about, uh, you want to develop the information about the total costs to produce or deliver one unit of each product or service. This might be the most complicated of uh, any of the things that we ask you to estimate. So for if you're selling products, if you have five different products, you want to know the specific costs of each of those products. Um, and you want to add it up so that you can uh, have the, the unit cost, one unit of each product. What does it cost you to deliver that to the warehouse or deliver that to your consumer? If you've been in business a while and you have pretty standardized costs, then you can use an average. You can take an average of your costs and um, use a percentage of revenue applied to that service to determine your unit cost. So if I know I spent $1,000 to deliver all of these products and I got $5,000 of revenue, then I have 20% cost of goods. It's just simple math, 1,000 divided by five. Um, so you can, you can use a percentage to determine the unit cost, or you can actually add up the cost to determine the unit cost. Either way works, but you want it drilled down into one unit for each product or service. Got it. So what's, what's next? Next, we look at monthly operating costs and here you're going to add up, uh, the total of all your monthly operating costs within specific categories. Um, and this goes back to how I said 
you know, you want your costs to be bundled in meaningful ways. So all of your payroll and personnel costs should go together in one bundle. Um, all of the professional fees or subcontractors that you use should be bundled together. Um, if you have to pay rent and utilities, then you want to bundle all of those costs together, anything related to physical plant. Um, your marketing and advertising costs are another category. Um, Sales-related costs may be a, an, a, another category, especially if you are distributing to wholesale. And then finally, your general and administrative costs, which is everything that doesn't fit into one of those other categories above. <laughs> it's like your licensing, um, I don't know. I can't even think of anything that doesn't go in there. Software subscriptions, maybe, um, you know, anything that doesn't fit into one of those insurance. Definitely. You should have insurance. So those are the things that like applied across the whole business, not to one specific activity or area of the business. Got it. So it seems like you probably can pull this information from your accounting software, like QuickBooks. Yep. If you can go back and take 12 months worth of data and divide it by 12, and that's your average for the whole year, that's a great way to come up with a monthly average. Um, if your business you know, is newer or it has trended in a particular direction, if you've added a lot of staff recently, you want to take just the more recent period, maybe four months. Um, but basically, you're trying to come up with like what your monthly average would be. Great. So let's talk about taxes <laughs> and how to estimate taxes as a part of this plan. Right. So taxes is a tough one um, because everybody's tax situation is different and it's highly, uh, you know, unique to the structure of your business or the structure of your family. Um, so it's very hard to give a, a rule of thumb. Um, so the best way to estimate the taxes that you're going to owe on your current year's uh, income is to look at your last year's tax bill. Um, and... Um, look at how much you paid versus how much revenue you declared from the business itself um, and just come up with a percentage that way. That is absolutely the cleanest way to do it. Um, if you don't know, you can put in a number and kind of guess. You put in 8% or 10% and then compare it to last year and see, are you close? Are you way off? Like what, you know, what do you think? Um, if you, if you really don't have a way of coming up with a good estimate, um, then you can use 10% as a reasonable rule of thumb. And that really comes from the profit first world where um, the author, Mike Michalowicz, has looked at like a range of companies, but that's like across all industries of all sizes in all formats. And so it's a very generic number. It's not really a solid number. Remember when you pay your taxes, you're paying your taxes on, um, your taxable revenue, which is after all your deductions. So in this, we're going to come up with a lower percentage than you would see on a tax chart because we're going to look at the top line revenue and what percentage of that is ending up in taxes. Um, and in this case, it's better to overestimate than underestimate because it's better to be prepared to pay more taxes than you need to pay than it is to have to pay more taxes than you want to pay. Um, so... That's my recommendation is to be a little generous with that number. All right. And so what's next? Um, last but not least is planning for profit. So this, again, comes from my work um, with as a pro certified profit first professional, where I help companies to understand how to, on a cash basis, improve their profitability. And 
um, setting a target for a profit that you're going to have in the bank beyond everything that you pay out um, is really critical. And um, so I put a few guidelines in, in terms of how to estimate how much your cash tax, cash profit should be. Um, If you can get to 5% cash profit, you will have some money to build up as a reserve and to continue the business and grow the business. If you can get up to 10%, obviously you'll be in a much better position. You're going to cover your operating costs and have a lot more room for growth. Um, If you're talking with food businesses that are early stage food businesses, getting to 10% is really quite a great, quite a good accomplishment. Once you start to uh, get a little larger, though, you should be pushing towards 10 to 15%. This is a very, if you could maintain a 15% um, profit ratio in the food world, you'll be a very strong business. You'll have money ready to scale and you'll even possibly be able to um, attract outside capital. Banks will be happy to lend to you. Um, You know, you won't feel like you're tight and living on the edge all the time. Um, and if you can get to 20% or more, regardless of injury of industry, you're an, an excellent company. Um, businesses that go higher than 20% are things like, you know, uh, online businesses that have very little overhead and lots of cash flowing in the door. So if you get more than 20%, that's fabulous. There definitely are people out there in the you know, guru world that are claiming 50% or more tax rate, profitability rate. That's great. But if you're in the food world, you're not going to see that. Um, that would be extraordinary. So how often should we revisit his plans? Um, So uh, you're asking about the one-page plan as a whole? Yeah, the one-page plan as a whole. Like how often, like is is it something, so I've created the plan. Do I look at it quarterly? Is it something that I look at every six months? Like how how should we be using the plan? So what, um, what I do with the plan is I recommend um, keeping the percentage allocations for each of those major categories as you look every month at your financial report. Because every month when you look at your financial report, you want to know if you're close to the plan or not. If you're, What your results are are very, very different than your plan, then there's two choices to make. One is to try to adjust your expectations um, by adjusting the plan so that it fits your reality. Um, and the other is to try to change your reality so that it fits the plan. And usually there's going to be a balance of the two. So if your revenue numbers are coming in really much lower than you projected, then you're going to have to try to cut your costs somewhere, whether that's in cost of goods or operating costs. You're going to have to address that or you're going to run out of money. Um, if your revenue numbers are really high, then that's going to be a signal to you that you could put more into marketing or you can put more into sales um, or you can start to build your uh, you know, keep your cash reserves building. Um, you, you have other choices to make. Plan is just a, a way of setting guidelines. So if your guidelines aren't working, then you really should adjust them maybe quarterly, maybe twice a year. Um, it does, you should not feel like the plan is like, you know, stuck in stone and you chiseled in stone and you can't change it. You should use the plan to help you guide business decisions. But if the plan's not working, you need to change the plan. Got it. So, okay. So thank you for taking us through these, these steps. So how can we all access this one page business plan? Um, so the one page plan is available to any subscribers. So if you go to CFO and hit the subscribe button, 
you will be welcomed as a subscriber and you'll be given a link to a series of videos where I walk through the plan um, and you'll get the, it's a Google sheet. So you save it as your own and then you can play with the numbers and see what results you get. Great. Thank you so much. This is such fantastic information. Um, and thank you for explaining meaningful numbers. So Christine, please tell us what you're celebrating at Hudson Kitchen. We have a money bell um, that we ring when we are uh, celebrating uh, different things from getting our, people getting a paycheck to taking on new, new retail partners and new clients. So since it's the start of the new year, I'm really excited to announce that we have launched our Meaningful Money course, um, which we've broken down into two segments, Meaningful Money Essentials, which will take you um, from the top level down work that I just described in the, in the um, one page plan uh, into much more nitty gritty work on uh, building a cash flow plan and making sure that your um, books are clean and accurate and that you have meaningful money. Um, these are what we consider to be the essentials to kind of manage through this down economy. Um, and then the second course, which will start a little bit later, um, is called uh, Meaningful Money Next Level. And that's where we get into longer term projections and really thinking about uh, growth and pivots to, to maintain growth also in the down economy. So those are the two uh, new things that we have to offer that are available now on the CFL and Speed Dollar website. Christine, thank you so much for being here. Please let everyone know where they can find you. You can find me at cfoandspeeddial.com or on most social media at cfoandspeeddial. Thank you. The Food Means Business podcast is produced by Hudson Kitchen. It's recorded and edited at the studio at Kearney Point. Our theme song is by Damian DeSandes, and I'm your host, Janaba Johnson-Jones. Find out more about Hudson Kitchen by visiting thehudsonkitchen.com or follow us on Instagram at The Hudson Kitchen. Listen, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.